Dear congregation, as we gather for worship this evening, we we come and we hear the Lord's call to worship from Psalm 122, the first four stanzas. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Please turn with me in the scriptures to the New Testament, to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and we will read from verse 17 to 31. Let's hear the word of God. And from Miletus, he, that is the Apostle Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I had been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with Many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards, toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every, every one night and day with tears. So far the reading of God's holy and infallible word. We'll now make confession of 
our faith with the Church of All Ages by reciting together the Apostles' Creed. So if you could please stand and we will recite together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Holy Catholic Church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We will now turn in the back of the Psalter to page 145, page 145 to the form for the Insulation of office bearers, elders, and deacons. Beloved Christians, you know that we have several times published unto you the names of our brethren here present who are chosen to the office of elders and deacons in this church, to the end that we might know whether any person had ought to allege why they should not be ordained into their respective offices. And whereas no one hath appeared before us who hath alleged anything lawful against them, we shall therefore, at present, in the name of the Lord, proceed to their ordination. But first... You who are to be ordained, and all those who are here present, shall attend to a short declaration from the Word of God concerning the institution and the office of elders and deacons. Of the elders, it is to be observed that the word elder or eldest, which is taken from the Old Testament and signifieth a person who is placed in an honorable office of government over others, is applied to two sorts of persons who minister in the church of Jesus Christ. For the apostle saith, The elders that rule well shall be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word, in the word and doctrine. And hence, it is evident that there were two sorts of elders in the apostolic church. The former whereof did labor in the word and doctrine, and the latter did not. The first were the ministers of the word and pastors who preached the gospel and administered the sacraments. But the others who did not labor in word and and still did serve in the church bore a particular office. Namely, they had the oversight of the church and ruled the same with the ministers of the word. For Paul, in Romans 12, having spoken of the ministry of the word and also of the office of distribution or deaconship, 
speaketh afterwards particularly of this office, saying, He that ruleth, let him do it with all diligence. And likewise, in another place, he counts the government among the gifts of and offices which God hath instituted in the church. Thus, we see that these sorts of ministers are added to the, to the others who preach the gospel to aid and assist them. As in the Old Testament, the common Levites were to the priests in the service of the tabernacle in those things which they could not perform alone, notwithstanding the offices always remain distinct one from the other. And moreover, it is proper that such men should be joined to the ministers of the word in the government of the church, to the end that thereby all tyranny and lording may be kept out of the church of God, which may sooner creep in when the government is placed in the hands of one alone or of a very few. And thus the ministers of the word, together with the elders, form a body or assembly, being as a council of the church, representing the whole church, to which Christ alludes when he saith, Tell the church, which can in no wise be understood of all and every member of the church in particular, but very properly of those who govern the church, out of which they are chosen. And therefore, in the first place, the office of elders is, together with the ministers of the word, to take the oversight of the church, which is committed to them, and to and diligently to look whether every one properly deports himself in his confession and conversation, to admonish those who behave themselves disorderly, and to prevent as much as possible the sacraments from being profaned, also to act according to the Christian discipline against the impenitent, and to receive the penitent again into the bosom of the church, as doth not only appear from the above-mentioned saying of Christ, but also from many other places of holy writ, as 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Corinthians 2, that these things are not alone entrusted to one or two persons, but to many who are ordained thereto. And secondly, since the apostle enjoineth that all things should be done decently and in order amongst, the, amongst Christians, and that no other persons ought to serve the church of Christ, but those who are lawfully called according to the Christian ordinance, therefore it is also the duty of the elders to pay regard to it, and in all occurrences which relate to the welfare and good order of the church to be assistant with their good counsel and advice to the ministers of the word, yea, also to serve all Christians with advice and consolation. Thirdly, it is also the duty particularly to have regard unto the doctrine and conversation of the ministers of the word, to the end that all things may be directed to the edification of the church, and that no strange doctrine be taught according to that which we read, Acts 20, where the apostle exhorteth to watch diligently against the wolves which might come in to the sheepfold of Christ, for the performance of which the elders are in duty bound diligently to search the word of God and continually be meditating on the mysteries of faith. 
and concerning the deacons of the origin and institution of their office, we may read Acts 6, where we find that the apostles themselves did in the beginning serve the poor, at whose feet was brought the price of the things which were sold, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. But afterwards, when a murmuring arose, because the widows of the Grecians were neglected in the daily ministrations, men were chosen by the advice of the apostles, who should make the service of the poor their peculiar business, to the end that the apostles might continue, continually give themselves to prayer and to the ministration of the word. And this has been continued from that time forward in the church, as appears from Romans 12, where the apostle giveth little, where the apostle speaketh of this office, saith, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, speaking of helps, he means those who are appointed in the church to help and assist the poor and indigent in time of need. And from which passage we may easily gather what the deacon's office is, namely that they, in the first place, collect and preserve with the greatest fidelity and diligence the alms and goods which are given to the poor, yea, to do their utmost endeavors that they that many good means be procured for the relief of the poor. The second part of their office consists in distribution, wherein are not only required discretion and prudence to bestow the alms only on objects of charity, but also cheerfulness and simplicity, and to assist the poor with compassion and a a hearty affection, as the Apostle requires, as seen in Romans 12 and 2 Corinthians 9. And for which end, it is very beneficial that they do not only administer relief to the poor and indigent with external gifts, but also with comfortable words from Scripture. To, to the end, therefore, beloved brethren, that everyone may hear that you are willing to take these, your respective offices, upon you, you shall answer to the following questions. And I now ask you brothers who have been duly elected and accepted the, the office to arise and we will, to answer to the following questions. In the first place, I ask you whether you do not feel in your hearts that you are lawfully called of God's church and consequently of God himself to these, your respective holy offices. And secondly, whether you believe the books of the Old and New Testament to be the only word of God and the perfect doctrine of salvation and do reject all doctrines repugnant thereto. And thirdly, whether you promise agreeably to said doctrine, faithfully, according to your ability, to discharge your respective offices as they are here described, you elders in the government of the church, together with the ministers of the word, and you deacons in the ministration to the poor. 
Do you jointly promise to walk in all godliness and to submit yourself in case you should become remiss in your duty to the admonition of the church? As elders, what is your answer before God and this church, Mr. Tom Borsma, Mr. Eric Camp, Mr. Ellis Meschke, Mr. Bill Stahl, Mr. Geis Van Bogart. And as deacons, what is your answer before before God and this church? Mr. Thomas Ekema, Mr. David Pulse, Mr. Bill Van Kempen, Mr. Daniel Shua, and Mr. Zachary Zevenbergen. The Almighty God and Father replenish you with all his grace that you may faithfully and fruitfully discharge these your respective offices. Amen. Brothers, as you come to this point, entering ministry for some of you, or entering the office of elder or deacon, some of you for the first time, no doubt you, you sense, even in the weeks leading up to this, this moment, a, a, you feel the incredible weight of this office, the call to this office, the calling that God has placed on you. You sense your own un- unworthiness, your inadequacies, you know your sins that you struggle with. You see the work that lies before you as you enter, and you know you're going to see more once you get going. And you wonder maybe, how, how are you how are we as brothers able to, to carry out and to fulfill this, these high callings? Well, I want to draw your attention to briefly here to the, the Old Testament leader, Joshua. He walked in the shadows of Moses, that great prophet that led the people out of Egypt. He learned from him along the way. And yet there came a point where Moses died and he was now in charge of these people, in charge of this group, this massive group that had to be brought into the land of Canaan. A daunting task. A task that no doubt as Joshua considered himself, he would have, he would have acknowledged his own frailty, his own weakness, his lack of courage, his lack of wisdom. He was fully aware of the enemies that he and his people were going to face as they entered into the land of Canaan. He had been there. He had seen the fortified cities. He had seen the giants. But he had also seen the faithfulness of God and the fruitfulness of the land that the Lord had promised to them. Now, although we don't read of Joshua's questions, his fears about how all this was going to take place, 
We, we understand him being a man of like passions as we are, that he must have had them. And the Lord seemed to know about them. Because three times in the opening chapter of, Je- of Joshua, the book of Joshua, the Lord comes to Joshua with these words. Each time beginning with, be strong and of good courage. In verse 6, the Lord accompanies that, that command to be strong and of good courage with this promise. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And brothers, I commend you this to you as well. Be strong and courageous, resting in the promises of God. The second time the Lord came to Joshua with these words of be strong and courageous, he says, Be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Be strong. And courageous, living in faithful obedience to the word of God. The third time that Joshua comes or hears this word from the Lord, the Lord says to him, Be strong and of good courage. In verse 9, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Brothers, be strong and courageous, conscious of the fact that the Lord has promised to be with his people at all times. To be present and to be faithful. Brothers, find your hope and confidence in the Lord your God. Be encouraged by the promises of Scripture as you serve this flock. Be led and convicted by the teachings of Scripture so that you yourselves live out what the Scriptures call us to as you witness and as your lives become now a a public testimony to the rest of the flock. Be in communion with the Lord, your God, seeking to know His presence as He goes with you as you minister to His church knowing that he not only goes with his people, but he promises, as he will later say in Joshua chapter 5, that he is the captain of your salvation, the captain, the champion, the general that goes before you, his, his, fellow, his servants. Joshua, as he met this soldier, this person, as Joshua was surveying the land, the country surrounding Jericho, he meets him and Joshua says to him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And the Lord said, Nay, but as captain of the Lord of hosts am I now come. The captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. 
recognize that the Lord is present with you as you minister and serve this flock. And do so in a sense of awe and intrepidation as Joshua did. For the place we tread on is holy ground. Brothers, in a sense, you're being thrust into the forefront of the battle tonight. Know that your captain is there with you leading the way. And God calls us, the ten of you and the others who will continue to serve, to come alongside each other and to work, depending on him, looking to him, to lead, to lead us. And to your families, to your, your wives and your children, we pray that as families you will be blessed as your husbands take up and fathers take up service in the church, public service. They're going to be busier. They're going to be committed to different activities that call them out from time to time. And we're, thank, we're thankful for, for their willingness to do this. And we trust that the Lord will uphold you as families as well as you serve Christ Church. I'd also like to say a, a, a huge thank you to the brothers who are, will be stepping down for a time. Brothers, elders, Kevin Ash, and Del Dewar, Jonathan Egglesma, Marty Fossey, and Dirk Sponce. Thank you for your tireless labors over the past two years, four years for some of you. And to our deacons, James Engelsma, Jared Camp, Charles Vandenberg, Pete Vanderstel, and Jeff Zevenbergen, thank you for your labors. And may God, with your families, give you a, a time of rest and respite and may, may you know his blessing. May there have been joy in serving the church of Jesus Christ over these past two years. And brothers, do continue to pray for us and for the new office bearers. And dear congregation and church family, the Lord continues to bless his church. He continues to give us gifts of elders and deacons to serve, to edify, to build up the body of Christ here in, in Grand Rapids. Do pray for these brothers and their families. Pray that their labors in your midst would be blessed. Receive them as Christ's ambassadors as they come and minister to you in various capacities. Hear them and listen to them and respond in faith and obedience to the King of the Church, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, ye elders, be diligent in the government of the Church, which is committed to you, and the ministers of the Word. Be also as watchmen over the house and city of God, faithful to admonish, and to caution everyone against his ruin. Take heed that purity of doctrine and godliness of life be maintained in the church of God. And ye deacons, be diligent in collecting the alms, 
prudent and cheerful in the distribution of the same. Assist the oppressed. Provide for the true widows and orphans. Show liberality unto all men, but especially to the household of faith. Be all with one accord faithful in your offices, and hold the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, being good examples unto all the people. And so, in so doing, you will purchase to yourselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus, and hereafter enter into the joy of our Lord. And on the other hand, beloved Christians, receive these men as the servants of God. Count the elders that rule well worthy of double honor, and give yourselves willingly to their inspection and government. Provide the deacons with good means to assist the indigent. Be charitable, ye rich. Give liberally and contribute willingly. And ye poor, be poor in spirit and deport yourself respectfully towards your benefactors. Be thankful to them and avoid murmuring. Follow Christ for the food of your souls, but not for bread. Let him that hath stolen or who hath been burdensome to his neighbor steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the things which are good, that he may give to them, give to him that needeth. And each of you, doing these things in your respective callings, shall receive the Lord of the Lord the reward of righteousness. But since we are unable of ourselves, dear flock of our Lord Jesus Christ, in Ezekiel chapter 3, the Lord said to Ezekiel, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Children, watchmen had an incredibly important role in the life and safety of cities in ancient times. They were to keep guard and to watch, be on the outlook for for dangers, potential dangers that may be lurking beyond the city walls in the shadows, that may attempt to make their entrance into the city to harm the the citizens. There was no room in the character of a watchman to be for apathy. There was no no room for just sitting back, relaxing, and waiting for a more convenient time to, to be on guard. There was a sense of urgency. There were consequences, in some cases eternal consequences, if the warning were not, was not issued. And the Lord tells Ezekiel that in his role as a prophet, he is to be like a watchman to the nation of Israel. To warn them of potential dangers, to, to warn those who are leading wicked lives, to encourage the righteous, to call them to repentance if they were straying. 
and failure to warn the wicked or the righteous would incur the blood of that person on the prophet. The Lord says, His blood will I require at thy hand. Faithful care. But, but faithful care and love for the souls of the people of Israel would release, would release the, the prophet from the blood of those people. Rather, that person would then, the Lord says, he shall die in his iniquity if he doesn't repent. And thou hast been delivered of thy soul. And dear church family, in many ways tonight we have, as we've witnessed the installation, the ordination of ten new office bearers, new watchmen as it were, ten men who have been charged with the care and protection of this local body, ten men who have been called to take up the Lord's work within the flock, caring for, governing his flock, ten men who will serve alongside the other elders and deacons and pastors to provide God-willing, faithful shepherding, faithful direction and oversight of this flock, faithful discipling and discipline. Now these men that have been installed are men of like passions, as Peter says, Yet there are ones that God has set apart to care for the flock. And he, by calling them, also equips them. By endowing them with his spirit, with his gifts, with, with authority to watch over the flock. And brothers, the same warning that came to Ezekiel is placed on, on you and I. For we too are not are responsible for the spiritual welfare of this flock, for the souls of the flock. It's a solemn calling, brothers. One that we are called to we're called to strive to be free of the blood of the people placed under our care. And this is something that the Apostle Paul was able to say by the grace of God as he came towards the end of his ministry. He said that he was pure from the blood of all men. Paul knew the gravity and the responsibility that came with serving in the church of Christ. And he gives, he gives some final instructions before he heads to Jerusalem to the elders of Ephesus in verses 28 through 31. And this instruction is sandwiched, as it were, by two imperatives. In verse 28, he begins with, Take heed. In 31, Therefore, watch. And brothers, it's this overarching command that Paul gives to the elders at Ephesus that I desire to reflect on with you and the congregation this evening. Whether you're entering into the office for the first time or again, whether you're serving as a, as a deacon or as elders, the command comes to us to take heed and watch. Serving as the ambassadors of Christ, whether that be a, as an elder, as a deacon, as a pastor, by definition, necessitates 
dictates that you be men who are constantly on the outlook, as it were, looking out for that which is wholesome and promoting that within the flock, but also looking out for that which is dangerous that could harm the flock, whether it's behavior, whether it's needs that need to be met, whether it's false teaching. And brothers, to do this, we need to watch diligently. And that's our theme for this evening. Watch diligently. And we want to do this by looking at the recipients of our diligent watch, the grounds for our diligent watch, and the goal of our diligent watch. Our passage comes towards the end of the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. He's on his way back to Jerusalem, a place that he knew that he would probably endure suffering, intense suffering, and he anticipated it, even bonds and afflictions, he says. But Paul was ready to give his life for the gospel. And with confidence, he believed that he could go, he could meet the Lord, being free of the blood of all men. For he says, I have not shunned, I have not failed to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And maybe as Paul spoke to those elders, maybe one of, one of them, or several of them, or all of them turned to him and said to Paul, how do we free ourselves from the blood of all men? How do we carry out our tasks in a way that is pleasing, is glorifying to God, that is faithful? And maybe, brothers, you have that question yourself as you come to this moment, as you take up your offices. Well, Paul's answer Take heed. Watch. The command to take heed has the idea of being continuously ready to learn of any future danger, need, error, to be ready to respond appropriately, to be vigilant in the care of others. And the word used, translated as watch, in verse 31, it's a different Greek word. And it has the idea of also being ready. To be in a state of constant readiness, alert, to stay awake. This is the word that Jesus gave to his disciples. The instruction was, as he was, as he was going to the cross, and as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Stay awake, stay alert. And then as they failed to do that, he said to Peter a couple of verses later, What? Could you not watch? Could you not stay awake? Could you not be ready and alert with me for one hour? And now Paul, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, says to, to us, Take heed and watch. Stay alert. Be ready. Be vigilant. 
as you take up your offices, as you carry them out. But the question then is, well, what are we to be watchful for or over? Or who? Well, Paul continues, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Brothers, first and foremost, we need to take heed to ourselves. We need to examine, are we, are we recipients of God's grace and mercy? For if we're not, we cannot be faithful watchers. But we also need to, having received grace, we also need to take heed, to take stock of our lives, examining our hearts and lives as to our walk with the Lord. With David, we need to be praying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Constantly taking stock of our lives, the influences of the world, Satan, our old selves. We cannot be complacent. For we wrestle, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we need to ensure that we take to ourselves the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand, and having done all, to stand. But third, we also need to understand, we need to take stock, examine our hearts and lives as to our understanding of the teaching of Scripture. We need to be men of the Word. We need to let the Word speak into our hearts and our lives, directing what we do, what, how we think, and how we do it. We cannot, be, we cannot be governed by pragmatic thinking, but we need to be governed and to govern by placing ourselves under the Lord's authoritative word of truth. And we need to do this with one another. Paul says, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, plural. He doesn't say, take heed to yourself. So as brother, elders, and deacons, and pastors, we are to take heed, to be, we are to be vigilant in our care for one another, first and foremost. Desiring and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the body of peace. And doing so with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. As Paul says in Ephesians 4. For Satan would love nothing more than to see uh, one of us fall into outwardly immoral sin, into error, into a sense of self-sufficiency, into a life of complacency or apathy. He would love nothing more than to see the unity of the Spirit absent from us. For where there's division within the leadership of the church, there will be division in the flock. So we have to take heed, 
brothers, to ourselves. But not only to ourselves, Paul also says, and to all the flock. Paul uses a rather unflattering image of who we are, congregation. He calls us a group of sheep. A group of sheep who are prone to wander, prone to get ourselves into trouble, prone to leave the good places that the God has brought us into. By nature, we are stubborn. We're dull of hearing. We're slow to learn. Constant need of guidance and correction and care and provision. We need, as Psalm 23 talks about, to be constantly brought into those green pastures and beside still waters so that we will grow and be nurtured We are all in need of guidance and direction, particularly as we travel those dark shadows of the dark valleys, the challenging places in life. And brothers, we're called to take heed to the flock, to the whole flock, to the newborn lambs that are in need of tender care and guidance susceptible to the attacks of the evil one, feeding them with food that's convenient for them. We're to take care of the, the yearling, the, those who are who are full of strength and energy and zeal, needing oversight and direction so as not to wander from the truth. We're to care for those who are burdened, Burdened with the cares of life, whether they be busy moms and dads, whether they be those with wayward children, those who are caught up in the ways of the world, the pursuits of this world. We're to come alongside those who are hurting, physical, physical infirmities, those struggling with depression, anxiety, maybe dealing with particular sins in their life and in need of counsel, those who are grieving, the widows and the widowers, those who maybe are erring in their understanding of the Scripture. We're to come alongside those sheep that are thriving, who are growing and and are living faithful lives and rejoice with them, encourage them and help them to remain steadfast. We are to come alongside those older sheep in the flock who are nearing the Jordan to encourage them, to pray with them, to, to help them to keep their eyes on Jesus Christ. Just as Hopeful did as Christian was crossing the Jordan River. Brothers, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. And we're called to do this not because of who we are or because we've been elected and chosen by by this congregation. But Paul says you're called to this faithful, careful, diligent watch because in the first place it's the Holy Ghost who has made you overseers of the flock. The third person of the Trinity, the one that proceeds from the Father and the Son, 
the one that was sent into this world as the comforter for the people of God, as the advocate, is the one we read in our text has made you overseers. The one who has called these elders in Ephesus to be elders in the city of Ephesus. The one who has called you brothers to be elders in the church here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And you deacons to be deacons here. There's nothing to do with who you are as individuals. Your gifts, your talents. But it has everything to do with this, the Holy Spirit who has placed you here, called you to this task. This word has made, in the original, can be used in a variety of different ways. It can have just the simple idea of placing something in a particular spot. It can have the idea of depositing money. It can have the idea of being uh, given an assignment to a particular task. But also can have this idea of being caused, causing someone to undergo a, a change in condition or placement. And it's like the Holy Spirit is causing you, placing you in this place, in these roles. And as he does so to equip you, he equips you, he changes who you are. He makes you elders and deacons to serve his flock. Called by God, brothers, to serve him on behalf, on his behalf. And when the Holy Ghost calls, he also equips. He gives grace and gifts that you will need to serve on behalf of Christ in his flock. And no doubt there's a sense of fear, unworthiness as you consider who you are, maybe overwhelmed, maybe even intimidated, as you consider the gravity of the call that you've been given. And yet as you enter this off, these offices, know that the Holy Spirit, the one who has called you, is the one who will equip you with everything necessary, his gifts, his wisdom. But yet he uses means to do this. And so we are to be men of his word. We need to be reading the word regularly, meditating on it, studying it personally, in groups, equipping yourselves as to what, this, what your particular office entails, Studying up on what it means to be an elder in the church or a deacon in the church. But not only are we to be men of the word, we're to be men of prayer. Men who are committed to praying for ourselves, but also for the flock. Praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit to to equip you, to help you. As you open up the word, as you engage with people. Whether that's on a, in, a, in an official capacity, as you go out as elders and deacons, as you gather and meet as brothers, as we, as either brothers in, as deacons or elders or as the consistory. Whether it's engaging with 
a member of the flock out in the parking lot or on a visit. But he not only equips us for our tasks, he also bestows us with his divine authority to care for and govern this church. This means that the men that have been installed into office, dear congregation, come and serve in the name of the Lord. And therefore, congregation, as they come and minister to you at various times, in various ways, they come and they represent the Lord himself. And so you are to receive them as the Lord's messengers, the Lord's representatives. And dear flock, pray for us regularly as office bearers. Pray that we would have the courage and the grace to exercise the offices that we are being, that we are installed into and ordained to. Pray that we would reflect the love of Christ for your souls. But not only do we need to remember that it is the Holy Spirit who has made us ministers of the gospel, elders, deacons. But we also need to remember who it is we are called to serve. We're called to care for the flock, the church of God, the one that he has purchased with his own blood. This flock is precious in the sight of God, for he has died for her. He has shed his own blood for her. She is a redeemed flock. And so as you come alongside the people of God, you need to see them as ones who are in Christ, who have been purchased with his own blood. Ones who were dead at one point in sins and trespasses. Or maybe they are still there, dead in sins and trespasses, who need to be redeemed yet as individuals. But the people of God, those who have loved the Lord Jesus Christ, have been ones that have been made alive through the power of the resurrected Christ. And so we are called to come alongside them as as little ones, as his children, and care for them as, as such. It was a costly price that purchased the people of God. It was the life and the blood of the Son of God. He gave himself for his people. And now he calls us to represent him as we minister and care for his little ones. So he calls us to go out with his Christ with Christ like love and care for the souls of the of the congregation. Yes, at times ministering and speaking into their lives where sin if there's presence of sin, calling to repentance and faith. At times ministering a word of promise and encouragement and hope. He calls us to care for those who have been purchased by his infinite sacrifice.
to remember this as you go out and visit us, to remember this as we, as, we, as we care for the flock, to remember the love, the depth of Christ's love for his own. But brothers, Paul not only calls us to take up the oversight of the flock on the grounds of the Holy Spirit having made us elders, deacons, but he, but also he's the fact that he's purchased, but he also calls us to the end of our service. We are called to instruct. We are called to be diligent in our watchfulness, uh, to strive so that the flock of Christ, this flock in particular, would be nurtured, would grow up, in, in, in their faith in Christ Jesus, that they would be protected. Paul says this in, in a verse, take, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the flock. This word feed could be translated to shepherd, to pastor, to care for. And brother elders in particular, as you, along with us as ministers of the gospel, we are called to ensure the growth and vitality of the flock, ministering to them with the word of God, trusting that the Lord will use our words, which should be in reflective of his word, to, to cause the church to grow and be more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We need to let his word be the basis for every aspect of our work as elders. Whether it's our public teaching in our catechism classes, whether it's the times we lead at prayer meetings, whether it's conversations after church, whether it's a phone call to one of the flock, whether it's at one of our zone meetings. Let the word be central as we minister. Whether it's in our, in our, as we enter the homes of the flock, visiting with the, the members of the congregation. May we seek to instruct them, minister to them, calling them to repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ so that we too, with the Apostle Paul, would be able to say that we would be free and clean of the blood of all. And this will mean at times we will need to warn. We will need to warn, calling members who are erring to turn from their sins, but to do so in love, seeking the eternal welfare of the of that soul but also of the flock as a whole we're called to govern by proactively discipling those in the flock and at times god forbid to use the medicinal means of church discipline brother deacons you are too are called to minister to to the flock, primarily with dealing with the physical needs of, of the congregation. But brothers, always do so with the word of God, ministering to their souls with words of 
comfort and, and care that could provide spiritual refreshment for the people of God along with the care of their physical needs. Where we're not only called to feed and to nurture the flock, but we're also called to protect the flock. And brother elders, this is primarily our responsibility. Paul highlights this reality as he talks about grievous wolves. He says they shall enter among you, not sparing the flock. Note that this is not just a a possibility, but Paul says they shall enter in. We need to be, we need to recognize and be aware of the battle that we, that we are being placed right now on the forefront, as it were, on the front lines. The enemy is present ready to destroy the flock. Sometimes this could be through doctrinal error. Other times this can be through conformity to the world. Other times this can be with the the presence of willful sin in one's life. And Satan wants us to think that who are we as brothers to, to speak out against sin, against challenging issues within that need to be addressed. But we need to remember, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, not only as he's made us, he delegates us with his power, his authority. And so we never go in our own strength, in our own words, in our own, but we go in his strength and with his power and his authority. But Paul is also recognizes that it can often, this, these dangers can often arise from within our own ranks, as it were. Verse 30 says, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And brothers, this brings us back to what we began with. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. Take heed to ourselves, to our own life and and doctrine, to what we believe and what we are teaching. And it just reminds us, brothers, as you read this, we're reminded of our great need to be kept by the head of the church, to be kept by Jesus Christ alone. For if we know our own tendencies, our own hearts, our lives, we know our proneness, our weakness, our proneness to fall. But we're thankful that it's our God who calls us and equips us. That it's him alone who has made us the the elders and deacons that we are today. Brothers, be fervent. And I've said this already, but be fervent in prayer. Be often in the word, carrying out your offices in dependence on the Holy Ghost, the one who has called you and equipped you. Dear congregation, our church family, I've heard much tonight about what these men are being called to. But you also are called to take heed to watch diligently over your own lives. 
examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Repent of sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And do pray for these men, pray for their families. Pray that they would be granted wisdom and love to carry out these their callings with boldness and faithfulness. Pray that they would be men who are in the word regularly. Pray that they would be men of prayer. Pray that they would be kept from sin and error. Pray that there would be a unity within the the leadership and that there would be love for you as a flock. And receive these men as God's representatives, listening to and receiving their instruction and counsel from the Word of God, humbling yourselves before God if they're called, God forbid, to address sin in, in your lives, repenting of it to God and having faith to, to our Lord, towards our Lord Jesus Christ. our prayer that we too as we have to give an account of you as a flock would be free of your blood each one of us will give an account of what we've done with the gifts the talents the words the word of God that's been given to us we will have to stand before our Lord Jesus Christ our creator And give an account. And I want to close with a quote from Richard Baxter as he anticipates Christ's heart-searching questions one day. Did I die for them? And will you not look after them? Were they worthy of my blood? And are they not worthy of your labor? Did I come down from heaven to earth to seek and to save that which was lost? And will you not go to the next door or street or village to seek them? Have I done and suffered so much for their salvation? And was I willing to make you my co-worker with me? And will you refuse that little that lies upon your hands? Amen. Lord, we stand here this evening aware of our weakness, our frailty, Lord, to carry out the tasks, the offices that Thou hast called us to. Father, we do pray for strength and wisdom. We pray for Thy Spirit to equip us and empower us to to carry out and to be the pastors, the elders, and deacons that we are called to. Help us to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to be men of the Word. Help us to be like our Lord Jesus. And we do pray, Lord, that our labors would be 
would be blessed richly for the pulling down of the strongholds of Satan, for the building up of the church of Jesus Christ, for the nurturing and care of the flock, the whole flock. Father, do bless these brothers as they take up their tasks. Encourage them. Help them to be persevering and to be ready and alert to take heed. Help us, Lord, as we go into this week. We pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name alone. Amen.